Well, hello, everyone. Yoy and double yoy. Oy, oy, oy. What a crazy game. It was a great win. I mean, are there issues? Oh, yeah. There's so many issues. And I said all week, hey, their tape is much worse than their situation coming into this game. Well, there's still a lot of bad tape. But their situations got better. And now they're on a bye. And... I was trying to avoid all last week about all these Raven Steeler cl cliches that aren't cliches. And, you know, they're just truths. Ugly games, weird things happen. Well, chalk another one up, man. Unbelievable. And I just think in this situation, I'm going to take the high road, the optimistic road, and say great win. You know, I mean, we'll get into a lot of notes why. But I'm going to start this thing off by. My early game notes. So I take notes on nearly every play, third and 10, blah, blah, blah. And then I put a couple things in bold, you know, and these are all my bold things from early in the game. Steelers really did little to get the Ravens off the field. That was off the first drive or second drive early on. Wasn't the defense that got them off the field. You know, the Ravens just kind of got themselves off the field. Ravens receivers, open every drop back. <laughs> yeah, it seemed that way. After Hill's untouched touchdown, I just wrote, this defense is horrendous. They're getting first downs with ease. Game could honestly be over after this drive. And that would have been two-score deficit. I thought, that's it. Game's over. Didn't get that point. Jackson is killing the Steelers with scrambles. Those were all my notes in the first quarter. And at the end of the first quarter, I bolded 20 yards for the Steelers, just nine plays, 143 yards for Baltimore. That's end of first quarter. And I've told you guys a lot about that first 15 play issue with the Steelers, how bad it is. And then earlier in the quarter, two have clearly tried forcing the ball to Pickens in this game. And I meant that as a compliment. Like, it sure felt like, I mean, they gave him a carry, that we're not leaving this game without at least peppering Pickens with the ball any way possible. A lot of them were tight, contested sideline routes that were kind of yucky. But still, they did stick with getting the ball in their most talented guys. And then I wrote, again, this is, you know, coming into midway through the second quarter or so. Ravens keeping the Steelers in this game. Might they regret it? I mean, at that point, I still thought, boy, the Steelers really have no chance to win this thing. They can't move the football. But the Ravens are keeping the Steelers in it. So at halftime, it's 10-3. Ravens blowing opportunities. I had six Raven drop passes in the first half. But Lamar was 15 for 25 for 153, 39 rushing. Really controlling the flow of the game. Pickett's 7 for 15 for 60. At this point, Pickens has five targets, but just two catches for 32, plus a 16-yard rush. Time of possession, 11.36 to 18.24 for the birdies. Yards per play, 3.4 versus 5.7 for Baltimore. I mean, really not even competitive. Total plays, 43 to 26. Total yards. 244 to 88. 
Passing yards, 52 to 144. Rushing yards, 36 to 100. Turnover, Steelers won and Baltimore, or Steelers zero. Baltimore had one and a fourth down miss at that point, which is really negative too for Baltimore. And Pittsburgh had a better turnover ratio coming into this. First downs, only six compared to 15 first half first downs for the for the birdies. Third down conversion rate, two of six. Baltimore, five of eight, but 0 for 1 on fourth. Again, that's a big deal here. Another no tier, basically nothing after the catch for the Steelers receiving game. Not routes that hit guys in stride, none of that. And good tackling by Baltimore, too. Let's give the opponent some credit, too. Score was 10-3 at the half after Ravens passed up the opportunity for an easy Justin Tucker field goal. And failed on fourth and two with 19 seconds to go. Now, this is Monday morning quarterbacking. This is hindsight, of course, by me, you, whoever. I thought Harbaugh was bonkers. I mean, three points against the Steelers is like 10 points against another team. So then the final stats, and then I will get to all my notes. And I got a lot for this one. Turnovers, one, Baltimore, or one for Steelers, three for Baltimore. Plus a blocked punt and missed fourth opportunity, fourth, two fourth downs. It's really like turning the ball over six times, as I've told you. Time of possession was almost dead even. Yards per play, 4-4 versus 5-0 for Baltimore. Much closer. First down, 17 versus 19. Third downs, 6 of 15 for the Steelers. Not great. 5 of 14 with two missed fourth down opportunities for Baltimore. Total yards, 289 versus 335 for Baltimore. Rushing yards, 87 to 125. Receiving yards, 202 to 210 for Baltimore. Ravens, so many drops. I mean, just a side note, I, I didn't count them all. I think they left at least two touchdowns on the field. Anyway, Kenny ends up 18 for 32 for 224. One touch, no interceptions. Lamar ends up 22 for thir- uh, 38 for 236. No touchdowns, one interception. Pickens ends up six for 130 and a touchdown on 10 targets. Again, I thought they were forcing him the ball and I was all for it. Part of it's because Austin was hurt for a while. Deontay's out, Fryer moves out, but Pickens has obviously benefited a lot with this opportunity over the last month. And here's what's yucky though. Allen Robinson, by necessity, gets nine targets. Yuck. Like, if you can eliminate that stuff after the bye, throwing the ball to Allen Robinson nine times, now you're talking. Because he ended up getting five catches of those nine for 29 yards. I mean, that's who he is now. I mean, he's a catch-and-fall-down guy. He's not a separator. Warren ends up with nine carries for 40 yards, three catches for 39. More about him later. Flowers was targeted 11 times. I credit him with two drops. Only caught five, but for 73 yards. Could have had a much bigger day. Andrews had 10 targets, so 21 targets between those two. Ended up with six for 65. Baltimore had three sacks, Steelers four. Watt ends up with two sacks, two tackles for loss. I mean, he's ridiculous. All right, quick break, and then I've got a lot of notes here that are more less stat-oriented stuff.
Now, what I like to do when I'm on Steeler Nation Radio is I will often say, if I was on Ravens Nation Radio, my tone might be a little different. You know what I mean? And definitely would be true. Ravens mistakes are the theme to this game. Whether you want to believe it or not, we can call it Steeler resiliency if you want. That's a very glass half, <laughs> half full way of looking at it. Three turnovers, two missed fourth downs, a block punt that ends up being a safety, and so many key drops. Did the Steelers have something to do with those things? Absolutely. The turnovers, the blocked punt, getting your hand in to help on the drops. But, I mean, there was at least two touchdowns that were dropped that were not Lamar's fault, that were not great defense by the Steelers. And if you think that the Steelers would have overcome 14 more points by the Ravens, then you're out of your mind. (laughs) But they won. Again, great win. That's what I opened things up. I said this all last week. I think this formula is basically set and written in pen. When the Steelers' defense gets splash plays, they compete. When they don't, like the Texans game, they can lose to anyone and might lose to anyone. If things don't get better. I mean, I'm just saying that's where the team's at through five games. It's a little insane. I mean, that's a hard way to live. Obviously, they had very a lot of splash on defense and special teams, but that also was very timely, you know, Porter, things of that nature. So now we'll do more stuff going forward, but I mentioned Pickens. He was definitely one of the stars. Our team's going to leave him one-on-one, you know, cover zero stuff anymore. Because the fact that you're putting that on tape, that you're going to go there, is big. I mean, that's a step forward for becoming a number one receiver. Like, Jamar Chase, when he came in the league, if anyone left him one-on-one, Burrow threw it to him every time. And basically, we put it up on the scoreboard. I'm doing it. You know, my guy's better than yours. Is that what Pickens is becoming? I'm not saying it's Jamar Chase, but is he? if you're going to leave him one-on-one, are they going there no matter what? If so, that's it really changes how defenses will play against him. Warren was great. I'm not going to do Warren versus Najee now, but I promise to between now and probably later in the week when we're looking for content, I'm more open to the idea that he should be the lead guy. I mean, he's a very good football player. Watt was awesome, as mentioned. But when Falele came in the game, the backup right tackle, the huge human being that's very slow-footed, it became sort of laughable. I mean, I'm going to watch the All-22, of course. But the holding, the amount of tension, the dominance of Watt over Falele was humongous in this game. I mean, Macri, the right tackle who played, is a pretty quality player. Like, you'd love him to be your sixth offensive lineman, super versatile. But Falele might not be in the league much longer. That was a big move whenever that happened. Highsmith was great. I want to commend the entire front seven. It's real easy to talk about the splash. But I thought the D tackles, especially as the game went on, had a good pass rush plan. Well, that's the coach, coaches and players executing. But they did a pretty good job of, as the game went on, keeping Lamar sort of bundled up or at least you know rattled in the pocket. Better and better against the run. But more so with the front seven, I wanted to focus on the inside linebackers, the off-the-ball guys. Are they set at inside linebacker? Like when we start talking off-season needs, if you can just roll this group back at the current cost and use your resources elsewhere, 
I might be absolutely cool with that. You know what I mean? Like, it's the best it's been since Shazir. I mean, I, that's not the highest bar to jump over, but this group is solid. And for what you're paying them and what you have invested and what you're paying other places on the defense, if you get solid on the second level of the defense, I'm in. I, I mean, I think that's a success story for this year. I want to give Ogan Joby credit. The strip was a great hustle play. Is it time for Porter to be a starter? And again, I've only watched this game once. As usual, I'm recording this before the Sunday night game, which could be awesome tonight. Niners, Cowboys, get your popcorn ready. But I think it's time to say, Porter, you're the starter at left corner. Pat Pete, you're going to do other stuff, you know. But I think that time is now. Speaking of rookies, which was definitely a theme to this, on first glance, I thought Broderick Jones was really, really good and really, really encouraging. At one time, they had a sack that wasn't necessarily his fault, but there was an overload blitz to his side, and he blocked a guy. But I thought that that would be a theme. You know, just McDonald, their defensive coordinator, throws a lot at you, and I thought the rookie would look lost at times. His protection was solid. He moved people in the run game. His traits and athleticism and gifts are obvious. I thought this was a really nice step for him. I mentioned before, the Steelers got nothing basically after the catch uh, in a consistent basis. That needs to change. I do think that's a Canada thing. I mean, it's a lot of people, sticker outs, comebacks, you know, outs. You know, like you're not getting a lot. And I have the the Kenny Pickett's uh, throw chart. Still a lot is missing in the middle of the field, but we'll get to that later in the week too. I still think these corners, Porter aside, stink. I, I really do. Um, I don't know what Sullivan brings to the table. I don't know what King's totals were today, but they had to be low. He has to play or Peterson, King, those guys have to at least be strongly considered at the slot instead of Sullivan. Wallace isn't good enough. The corner room, with the exception of Porter and maybe the exception of King, which I just don't know, but if he's not playing, it's not a ringing endorsement for him. Stinks. Um, how about this? The Raiders, the Ravens gained only one fourth quarter first down. Okay, that adds up. I've been saying this since final cuts came out when this, the roster was set. I don't understand why Gunnar Olszewski is a stealer. I mean, I think he's been the least valuable stealer before the season even started. He needs to, be, he needs to go. Um, good special teams all in all. Killebrew, of course. Boz. Boz has been a rock. Wing's been a nice replacement for Harvin, who looks like he'll be back sooner than later. I just had this bullet point that this could have been a four-touchdown passing game for Lamar and probably should have been. <laughs> Let's not forget that. Next-gen stat of the game from NFL.com. TJ Watt now has 14 career sacks against the Ravens. That's the second most by any player versus the Ravens all time. Guess who's first? Our buddy, James Harrison, he has 16. So, what, Watt has to play one more game to reach him at this pace? Uh, NFL research from their notes. Kenny Pickett's 41-yard touchdown pass to George Pickens with 117 remaining increased the Steelers' win probability 
from 49% chance of winning that game to 83. (laughs) I mean, that's how bonkers this game was, especially at the end. I want to note, and this is more of a topic for later in the week, the Ravens have been about the most injured team in the league this season, first four weeks, but they were the much healthier team. They got their dudes back. They were the much healthier team for this game. And it sure looks like the Steelers got a lot of dudes coming back from after the bye. Well, they do, but when and all that stuff. We'll talk about that later in the week. Steelers are in first place. <laughs> Steelers are in first place. How about that? Again, their tape is nasty. Their situation is phenomenal. It really is with this win. Cincy next week, while the Steelers chill and relax and hopefully self-scout and whatever else, the Bengals will host Seattle. I'm guessing that's a pick game after Cincinnati looks like they've turned a corner again. The Brownies, at least they get it at home. They host the Niners coming off Cleveland's bye. We'll see what San Fran does here in a couple minutes, but I'm betting there are dogs in that game. Baltimore at Tennessee. I have no idea what that spread will be, but it won't be much. It's going to be a dog fight. Derrick Henry versus Lamar in Tennessee's building. And we know that teams don't usually do well in this rivalry the next week. It's nice the Steelers have a bye. And that Ravens game might be overseas. I think it is, actually. So we'll look into the division probably a little more Thursday, Friday. Maybe we'll preview those three games on Friday as, as opposed to talking Steelers that, that day. Um, there you have it. In the end, great win. <laughs> This time last week, I was not saying anything good about this team, and boy, do I have some concerns, but this was a great win. All right, over now. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.